Did you miss Canty and Carlin? If you haven't take problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a Chris ain't one. Hit me. Now, from the ESPN studios in New York City, this is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, 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 steps up, fires, touchdown, again! It's Waddle! Touchdown! Second half, we came in and, and played the way, way we wanted to. That's what I'd say about that. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. For all the haters out there, man, who saying Tua can't do this, can't be that, I really hope you soon jump on jump on his bandwagon, man. Miami Dolphins. How about that? And they beat the Ravens 42 to 38. What a football game. Tua gonna need a real battle after the season. The tote his money, his boatload of money. If you haven't seen this guy yet as an analyst, you are missing out. He is outstanding. He is. Well, we went from one Patriots defensive back to an ex-Patriots defensive back <laughs> in Darius Butler, who joins us right now, co-host of the NFL Matchup Show with Sal Palantonio, Saturday mornings, 8.30 on ESPN2. Darius, it's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, fellas? Thanks we appreciate we appreciate you giving us a few minutes here. Let's start uh, with some of what you were just hearing with Tua the other day. So what did you make of the whole performance? Should we be buying into the Tua hype, or was this a lot more about what the Ravens didn't do? Well, it was it was definitely uh, some of both. But I, I'm, a, I'm a life – you're probably asking the wrong person because I'm a lifetime Dolphin, South Florida resident, and we've been waiting <laughs> for a quarterback. So you are, as, you, are, you are, as we have said, a member of Tuanon. Oh, I'm, I'm for sure, man. Probably one of the early top five members. But uh, man, you bring over a weapon like uh, you bring over you bring over weapons like Tyreek Hill, and he's been a guy that I've kind of called the Steph Curry of the NFL. He just changes the entire uh, defense. Well, he should at least change the entire defense and how they uh, play coverage. But uh, Tua, man, he was special, man. Cause it's one thing to just have a big day passing, uh, but to do what he did to perform how he performed being down three scores in, in, in the fourth quarter when the defense knows you're going to be passing in obvious passing situations. Um, you got a quarterback like Lamar Jackson on the other side of the field who's doing uh, phenomenal things. I mean, just stay locked in. After throwing those two interceptions, um, to, to stay locked in, uh, keep staying to the process and making the plays when the defense gave them to him. And unfortunately for the Ravens, they gave them to him. They gave him huge plays. It was some uh, huge blown coverages late. Like I said, with Tyreek Hill out there, but um, I couldn't be happier about what Tua's doing. I'm all in, and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, Mike McDaniel Tua continues to do. Darius, just out of curiosity, because when we think about the AFC, you see all of these young quarterbacks that feel like at any given time they could be the best quarterback on the field on Sunday. I mean, when you think about yep. Justin Herbert, you think about Lamar Jackson, you think about Joe Burrow, you think about Pat Mahomes. Just exactly what is the ceiling when it comes to Tua in comparison to that group of quarterbacks that I just named? Well, you know, physically, I think all those guys are probably a cut above. Uh, maybe not Burrow, just physically, athletically. You know, maybe him and Tua are kind of on the same page. You think about Josh Allen, you think about Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Like, all these guys are kind of like created players almost when it comes to their athletic gifts. Uh, but quarterback, man, that's a dependent position, um, and it's about the guys in front of you protection-wise. 
It's about the guys around you who can create separation and uh, catch the ball. And then your play caller. Is your play caller putting you in good situations? Are they calling the right plays at the right time? Are they making things simple for you and complicated for the opponent? And um, that's what Mike McDaniels has been doing early, and I think it'll only get better as that relationship grows. So the sky is the limit. It's high as just as the ceiling is as high as any other quarterbacks. It's about the organization around that quarterback. And then you look on the opposite side of the ball on the defense. Uh, Josh Boyer, uh, this past Sunday, you know, Lamar Jackson had a great game, but this defense has been playing uh, well these last few years under Josh Boyer being a defensive uh, coordinator. And then they're not even at full strength yet. You get one of the best corners and Byron Jones back pretty soon, and that'll help with that aggressive style defense that they play. So um, when you look at around the league, obviously I think Mahomes and Andy Reid, they proved it year after year after year that they dominate and can do it at the highest level. And obviously Josh Allen and the Bills, they look like a wagon. But, I mean, the Dolphins and, and Tua, I'm not, I'm not putting a ceiling on, on what they can do uh, down here in Miami. Darius Butler, former NFL defensive back, co-host of ESPN's NFL matchup show with Sal Pal and Greg Cassell. It is every Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, and then again on Sunday mornings as well, and is available all weekend on ESPN+. Plus. He does a great job there. Let's get into Russell Wilson so far and the problems that the Broncos have encountered. Time management and decision-making aside from the head coach, what are you seeing with Russell Wilson right now? Uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not impressed uh, at all. Um, and I, and surprised, you know, I, I didn't think that they were going to come out and just light it up from day one and, and win that AFC West. Uh, but I definitely expected more. Uh, I'll start with the other side of the ball for him. The defense has been playing pretty good, you know, keeping opponents under 20 points, I think, the first two games. Uh, but it, it, offensively like you know russ is in year 10 11 he looks like kind of like a young guy kind of flustered at times like you said time management stuff and obviously you got a first year head coach um think of first i'm not sure but a first year play caller and hack it and there's a lot of decisions you got to make in a short amount of time when you wear that hat it's one thing to be kind of in the lab and helping come up with game plans and concepts and certain calls in certain situations and it's a whole nother ball game when everybody on that sideline is looking at you to make the right call, to make the right decision, uh, to challenge, to do it's just so many different things that go on as a head coach. And he's been struggling with it, with it early. You would think with a veteran quarterback like Russell Wilson, he'd help ease that process. Um, but you look at all the other pieces around him. You know, Judy has struggled to stay healthy. Uh, Hamler as well. You got Sutton who's been consistent there. But it's a lot of moving parts. New head coach, new play caller, new quarterback, new weapons. So it's early in the season, it's only two weeks. It's still time to figure those things out. But it's been a struggle early, uh, not only from the, the, the new uh, head coach, but uh, the quarterback. Uh, and, and that surprises me because Russ is one of those guys who you know to be extremely prepared, uh, obviously dynamic in his playmaking skills, but I'm, I'm just not seeing it right now. Darius, let's take it to Pittsburgh where the Steelers' offense has looked absolutely awful through the first two weeks. <laughs> of the regular season, and Mitch Trubisky admittedly has been missing receivers downfield, not necessarily seeing the progression the way that Matt Canada wants him to. What are some of the things that you're seeing from his quarterback play and and some of the overall problems that the Steelers' offense is dealing with? I think it starts up front with them. Um, It kind of always starts in those trenches. And, and, And 
you you got Pittsburgh. They always draft well at the wide receiver position. So those guys, I think, are going to get open and always have the ability to make plays. But it's about the quarterback's uh, confidence in his offense and his protection to not look at the rush and not have to depend on his athleticism, but to be able to go through reads and make throws. And we're not seeing that with, with Trubisky. Uh, we're just not seeing it. And he's in a situation where he knows, you know, they drafted a quarterback in the first round, and he played well this preseason. Uh, and, and obviously the coaching staff and Mike Tomlin, you got to trust the decision he made with going with Mitch out of the gate. But uh, that fan base gets loud, obviously. And then the locker room as well, you're kind of going to look around and be like, okay, Mitch Trubisky has been in the league for some years now. We kind of know what he is. You know, you, you hold out hope and you're optimistic that, hey, he comes here and he takes another step. But if you're not seeing that through the first three or four weeks, a lot of people in that locker room, a lot of people in that fan base are going to start looking and say, hey, we drafted this guy first round. He played great what he did in the preseason. Let's see what he can do. Um, so we'll see if Mitch and Matt Canada can figure it out. Uh, but it's got to happen quick because uh, that fan base, obviously, they're used to winning. And that defense, even without T.J. White, you expect to get him back, you know, around four or five weeks. That defense is creating turnovers. The defense is making plays. Obviously, they can tighten some things up. But you got a defense like that. Um, you got to be able to, to have a quarterback that can get these dynamic weapons on the outside of the ball. Darius, awesome to have you as a part of the ESPN family now. And like I said, if you haven't seen Darius yet on the NFL matchup show, you got to check it out because he's doing a fantastic job in breaking this down. Thanks again for a few minutes, man. Hey, I thank you guys for having me, man. I've been enjoying that matchup show. It's been fun so far. Darius Butler, of course, the former Patriots defensive back Titans as well, uh, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And again, the NFL matchup show with Sal Powell and Greg Cassell, Saturday mornings, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN2, and then airing all weekend on ESPN+. Plus. Following up on the Mitchell Trubisky situation in Pittsburgh is tomorrow night his final start for the Steelers. We will explore and tell you why and why not. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Do you miss Canty and Carlin? Canty is all over Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers, and tomorrow night maybe being his final start for the Steelers before we see Kenny Pickett. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Want you to be a part of the program on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. 
George Pickens, the Steelers' rookie wide receiver earlier today, saying to the media, quote, I was open 90% of the time on Sunday. <laughs> Here's Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, responding to that notion. Up on Joe's question about George, he estimated he was running free 90% of the time. Is that <laughs> overestimation on his point, or is there anything to that? I respect your question, but I'm going to let that one lay. Yeah. Going to let that lay there? Is that what he's basically saying? That's I'm laying what, out? That, yeah, because there's no way he can win if he answers no. that question. No. Like, based on the grade sheet. You say he wasn't open that much, no. no. But, but, here's the, <laughs> but here's the thing, though, Carlin. That's not something that's subjective. There's an actual grade sheet that they pass yeah. out for every single player after the game. So if that's what George Pickens is basing what he's saying off of, then there's actual tangible evidence saying he was open 90% of the time which in turn becomes an indictment on your starting quarterback. So Matt Canada is in a no-win situation because if he backs George Pickens, he's undermining Mitch Trubisky. But if he backs Trubisky, then he's undermining or contradicting a young player that has star potential. Then allow me to clarify. What's up? Obviously, from an elevated position, you see more of the field, which I did on Sunday. Uh, certainly there were plenty of open receivers for the Steelers <laughs> that were not picked up. <laughs> I say, Carl, Carl, you, you don't have to be an expert no. <laughs> to see that the Steelers when had I open receivers. When I see that guy and there's nobody four or five yards around him, <laughs> I believe that's categorized as open. There, there, was, there was a window there? Uh, yeah, I can't there, there was a window there? <laughs> There was a doorway there. <laughs> and I can't speak specifically to George Pickens about 90% of the time. Yeah. But I do know when they threw it his way, he did make a catch or two. But they yeah. only threw it his way a couple of times. But here's the thing, Carlin. When you have a receiver that's saying that to the media, that just shows you the frustration level from the, guy, from the guys on that offense. Yep. That shows you the frustration level. Listen, it, Chris. It's, it, get, it's getting to a point now where we're going to have to start seeing what Mike Tomlin does. There's, there's pressure mounting on Mike Tomlin and that coaching staff because you can have a plan on when you want to bring Kenny Pickett along, but you also have to – let me say it this way. You also have to be responsible or accountable to the other guys yeah. in that locker room because they want to win games too. And, and there was an instance or two on Sunday where they go three and out or they have a bad third down play or something happens and – Guys are walking off, and offensive linemen are kind of throwing their arms in the air, like, "What are we doing?" Yeah. You know, and I, and I listen. To be fair, I don't think it's all on Trubisky. Matt Canada no, is not I, distinguishing no, himself here. No, no. Listen, here. I'm not saying that all of the problems the offense is dealing with is on Trubisky. But here's the problem: Trubisky plays quarterback. You're relying on that guy to help you find some answers, and I don't know that he's capable of doing that, Carlin. I haven't Chris, seen that version not. of Mitch Trubisky in the NFL. I I, I know that so, he's not so because if, we it, four years is enough in one place where we should have a good handle on it. Yeah, but everybody wants to make believe that because he went and sat one year behind Josh Allen that I he absorbed you. all of these things and became a franchise quarterback after one year of sitting on the bench. I don't know how people come to that conclusion, but it's clear that that's not the case. So if you're going to lose games with Mitch Trubisky as your starting quarterback, why not put Kenny Pickett in, see if he can give you the spark, and even if he struggles, Carlin, you're still getting the benefit of the kid getting on-the-job training and hopes that he will eventually develop into your franchise quarterback. The bigger question is, right now, how good do the Steelers believe they are? Do they believe that they are a spark away from being a good team in the AFC. 
do they believe that their defense is good enough to carry themselves in some spots? Because let's be honest about what happened the other day. Yes, the offense was bad. Yeah. You also handed them the football at the 10-yard line. Yeah. With the Olszewski. Olszewski yeah. muff punt. So that's part of it, too. But how good do the Steelers believe they are before they're willing to hand it over and deal with the growing pains that you're going to deal with? Because as bad as Trubisky has been, and he turned it over once the other day, he hasn't turned it over. So... He hasn't tur- Carlin, just- Carlin, he hasn't turned it over, but can I say this? He doesn't move the ball. That's my point. I know. And there's I, a, there's, Carlin, there's, I, there's only one other team that has fewer first downs through the first two weeks of the season. The Chicago Bears. Yeah. That's it. Chris, That's how bad the Steelers' offense is. They can't move the ball. You don't have to convince me on this, okay? So, so here's All the thing. I'm thinking, though, is what every coach who deals with this kind of situation thinks. Mm. The guy who gives me the best chance to win is going to be on the field. And if they don't feel like it's picket quite yet, then they're going to stick with a guy who's not very good, but they're going to say he gives us a better chance to win than Pickett does but, right but now. But here's the thing, though, Carlin. I don't even know if it's that. It feels like it's more of a hedge than anything else. We're going to allow Mitch Trubisky to play, so it presents a low bar to clear for Kenny Pickett because they understand you can't go back to Mitch no. Trubisky once you make the change to yep. Kenny Pickett. Totally They agree. understand it. So let's go ahead and let everybody in the locker room, everybody in our fan base, hell, everybody in the football world see that Maserati Mitch ain't the dude, and we had no other choice but to put Kenny Pickett in. You know what happens then? Nobody blames you if Kenny Pickett struggles. Nobody says, oh, you went to him too soon. Oh, you ruined the quarterback that could have been your franchise guy. Nobody says that. Because they realize if you kept starting Mitch, you would have punted on the season. One last thing on this. When we are talking about young quarterbacks, let's not talk about Kenny Pickett in the same vein that we would talk about a Trey Lance. Thank you. Trey Lance was 20 or 21. Yeah. Who played barely a season in a co- in college. Mm-hmm. Mitch, or rather, Kenny Pickett is 24 years old and played 50 games in college. Five, five, years, zero. five years he's been there. Yes. So this is a different situation, and the guys who have that kind of experience are more likely to be successful right away. Yeah. Much not, more Not likely. to mention, the Pittsburgh Steelers know what he does well and what he doesn't. They've been watching him for the last five years when yep. he was at Pitt. They share a facility together. So I, I don't. I, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. And, and here's the thing, Carlin. If we're having this conversation about – whether or not it's time to pull Mitch Trubisky for Kenny Pickett after two weeks, got to imagine it's not going to get much better for Mitch Trubisky going up against that Cleveland Browns defense. Are we seeing one of the great individual seasons of all time? We'll explain and expound next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin. Here's the 3-1. Joe deep to left field. There it goes. Number 60. Slide over, babe. You've got some company. Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth with 60 home runs. Tremendous call by Michael Kay on the Yes Network last night. Number 60 for Aaron Judge. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. The guy who was sitting next to him, and of course ESPN Sunday Night Baseball as well, is David Cohn, who joins us right now. David, we appreciate it. And listen, you've been around baseball for a long, long time. So just seeing that last night, where did that rank for you for just the in-person moments that you've witnessed over the years in your career? Well, it's got to be at or near the top. I mean, you know, I watched David Wells throw his perfect game at Yankee Stadium back in 1997. And, uh, you know, watching sometimes is harder than participating. Yeah, I was going to say, you uh, did it too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was easier throwing it, I think, at some point than watching. But uh, nonetheless, you know, last night was just, just incredible because, there's so many things involved with Aaron Judge. One thing is he's just such a good guy, you know, the way he handles himself. He has immense, immense respect across the board from his peers, from the fans. I mean, just the way he carries himself uh, is just above above and beyond. David, right now Aaron Judge is flirting with winning the Triple Crown. Of course, that means leading the league in batting average, home runs, and RBIs. What would that mean if he was able to pull off that accomplishment this season? You know, that that's the beauty of this sort of a debate or argument. That's, that's one thing that these sorts of things in baseball uh, kind of set it apart because you can really compare. We can pull up Babe Ruth's 1927 season or Ted Williams' 1946 season, or even if you want to, Barry Bonds back uh, at the turn of the century, back in 2000, 2001, one, two, and 3. And he ranks right up there with all of those seasons favorably in my mind. You know, it's it's ironic that he grew up sort of idolizing Barry Bonds, and we haven't seen numbers like Barry Bonds has put up during his, his peak and his heyday. And Aaron Judge is right there with him. He is bellied up to him. And you can draw your own conclusions about the steroid era, you know, how you feel about it. Everybody's got an opinion on that. But Judge is doing it. He is belly to belly with Barry Bonds, who we all thought had the greatest season in the history of the game. David Cohn, Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN analyst, and of course, Yes Network analyst as well, joining us, talking about Aaron Judge on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. David, I'm curious from the pitcher's perspective, when somebody like this is going after uh, this kind of record, what are what is a guy like that thinking about last night? What are the Pirates pitchers thinking about going into tonight, trying to find a way to prevent it? Yeah, I think that there, there's certainly a competitive nature to every pitcher, but it, everybody's different. The, the Pirates situation is different. They're out of the race. So we had, we saw a situation last night where Will Crow had a 3-1 count, and he said, you know what? 
out of respect for him and the game, I'm going to challenge him with a fastball, and he got beat. And he gave up number 60. But I think because Aaron Judge garners such respect, because, as I said before, the way he carries himself, that even the opposing pitchers respect him. And they're going to pitch to him if they can. Now, obviously, if it's a game where it's on the line, I mean, you've got a base open and your team's in a playoff hunt, that's a different story. But I think for the most part, for the rest of the way, really, through the Boston series this weekend, I think we're going to see the vast majority of pitchers actually pitch to him. David, with the season that Aaron Judge is putting together, in comparison to some of the all-time great Yankee seasons, a lot of people have made the argument that if it doesn't end in a World Series, that it's not one of the greatest Yankee seasons of all time. To that, you say what? That's, that's apples and oranges. You know, certainly Aaron Judge is a team-first guy. He's always worried about the team. He didn't even want to give a curtain call last night because the team was losing at the time. So, you know, it's, it's, you can't fault, you can't hold it against Aaron Judge if the entire team doesn't come through in the World Series. I mean, it's not like basketball or even football where the quarterback has the ball in his hands all the time or LeBron James every time down you can throw the ball to LeBron James. Aaron Judge has got to wait eight times to bat. So that's the beauty of baseball, and that's what makes this individual achievement that he's done this year so significant because it is such of a team sport. You're so uh, reliant on your team, and all you have to do is look out to Anaheim and the Angels and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and see two of the best players you will ever see on a losing team because, uh, you know, they can't – one player or even two players just cannot carry an entire team in baseball. The great David Cohn, of course, of the Yes Network and ESPN Sunday Night Baseball with us. David, the ability in baseball to compartmentalize, as Aaron Judge has been able to do this year, there's not a game, as you just kind of alluded to, where you have more time to think about things, and it's as cerebral as it gets. Just on a scale of impressiveness as a professional athlete, where does that rank in his ability to tune out all of the noise uh, that started opening day with the contract stuff and just perform at a ridiculously high level. Yeah, Chris, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, that is the point. You know, we all look, that's what we all marvel at with Aaron Judge, that, that the contract situation, as you stated at the beginning of the season, the way he handled it, you know he wasn't happy when the Yankees came out and told everybody the offer and put the offer out in a public way. He handled it. He didn't snap. He didn't do anything but go out and put up one of the greatest offensive seasons we've ever seen. And Aaron Boone, I think, puts it best when he describes uh, Aaron Judge. He just said, this guy is built for this. He just doesn't care. He's unfazed along the way. Even after hitting 60 home runs, he just sat his bat down and ran around the bases as if it was number 20 or number 10 or number one on the season. It was, it was just remarkable to see his, how cool he is under pressure and how disciplined he is with his emotions. David, do the Yankees ultimately end up re-signing Aaron Judge this winter? Boy, that, that is the question. You know, I, I think probably so. If I'm if I'm a betting man, and you know, you, you put me up against the wall and say, you know, I, I got to bet, you know, what, what's in my bank account, I would probably say yes. But you never know when you get out into free agency. I mean, this is Aaron Judge has one shot. He's 30 years old. He's been playing baseball for a long time. You talk about four or five years in the minor leagues six years in the major leagues, you finally get your shot to be a free agent. You never know what's going to happen, but you have to find out. Who knows if the Giants are, are going to come hard, or maybe the Cubs, or maybe the Mets. You just, you just don't know till you know. So when we get in that situation, there could be a bidding war that, that pushes this thing up to a level where it gets out of control, and then Talk anything can happen at that point. 
Talking with Yes Network analyst David Cohn on Kenny and Carlin. And David, as a Yankees fan, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. How big of a problem is the bullpen for the Yankees as we gear up for October? Oh, there's no two ways around it. I mean, they, they don't really have their pecking order in line. You know, and I think, ironically, Eroldis Chapman might come around full circle. I mean, we've got two weeks left here, and all of a sudden you're going to start taking another look at Eroldis Chapman, of fitting in some high leverage innings. Uh, I think Aaron Boone is just going to do matchups. I don't think you have a closer right now. I don't think you have a definitive seventh, eighth, or ninth inning guy. I think you just have matchups, and that's what Aaron Boone is going to do. He's just going to do the best he can to try to match up whoever he has down there with the right opponent, with the right hitters, and just kind of roll with it that way. But it's a, it's an excellent question, and it's a, it's a valid one, because right now I don't think even they know how they're going to do it. David, last one. Be honest. You're a 20-year-old kid. You're sitting in the bleachers. Aaron Judge hits his 60th home run. You get the ball. Are you giving it back, or are you selling that sucker? That's 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 my scholarship. That's my college exactly. scholarship right there. Right? Exactly. I'm sticking that in my back pocket. And I'm keeping that sucker. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> awesome stuff, David. Enjoy it tonight. Maybe you'll get to see number sixty-one. I figure you probably got to go in thinking you will, right? Yes, it's a, there's a good chance. I think uh, the way he's going, as hot as he is, he just he's just on just an incredible run right now. I mean. One of the best second halves we've ever seen, you know, in the history of the game. And his overall season, obviously, one of the best as well. So, yeah, he's rolling right now. Just amazing. David Cohn, thanks, brother. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. The Yes Network and, of course, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Like, Chris, he's hitting four seventy five in September. It's unbelievable, man. His OPS in September is one and a half. Yeah, and he was the <laughs> catalyst for that comeback last night. Like, I know everybody wants to focus on Giancarlo Stanton's Grand Slam, and, and, and rightfully so, but Aaron Judge was the one that got the party started. And yep. that's what you expect from your best players in those critical moments, Carlin. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus were presented by Progressive Insurance. When the biggest star in the game speaks up, people listen, and there are results, too. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. You can't miss Canty and Carlin, pound for pound, the biggest show on ESPN radio. So we were joking around about it with David Cohn a minute ago. But the question out of last night's Yankee game is not just of the fan, 20-year-old Michael Kessler, who gave the ball up for an autographed bat and a picture with Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's also about another guy who made a bad decision. This is from the Michael K. Show in New York today, a Yankee fan who called in 
explaining into a, a particular conundrum that he ran into last night. So I was at the game around 9.20. I got a text from my girlfriend saying uh, she's getting rushed to the emergency room, severe stomach pain. I told her, I'll meet you there by midnight. I'll leave after the game. Go right there. I wasn't leaving. I said, I'm not missing history. It's about 9.45, 9.50. She texts me, oh, eight, you're really staying? They're getting blown out. I said, he bats on top of the ninth. I'll leave after that at bat. He hits the homer. I stay, watch the walk-off, head to the emergency room, got there about 11.57 with a smile on my face. And she looked at me. She's like, I can't believe you. Who made the worst decision? The guy giving up the ball or the guy who decided to stay at the game? The guy that gave up the ball made the worst decision. <laughs> and, I, and I hear where the girlfriend I heard is the coming word, from. I heard the word girlfriend, not the word wife. Exactly. <laughs> or fiance. But here's the thing, Carlin. She going to the emergency room. I can't do nothing for her at the emergency room. She's going there because the doctors at the emergency room can help her much more than I can. You know but it's here, not about that. But here's what I can do. I can help us by trying to catch one of these Aaron Judge home runs because of how much I can flip that sucker for. You're going to the emergency room, best believe you're going to have emergency room bills. And it's going to be us that have to pay for those bills. Okay, it would this, be really nice to have an Aaron Judge baseball but, to be able to do that. But that's not why this guy stayed. He I'm stayed not because saying, he wanted to see history. I'm not saying that's why he stayed, but that's the reason that you could wrap it around. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to come up with excuses so the, the guy that doesn't look as bad as one would think that would look by not accompanying your significant other to the emergency room. The only way that's, and again, I don't even think it's justifiable in this case. It's not justifiable. What am I saying? I I was going to say, like, if he knows it's over anyway, (laughs) then, I I mean, it's not right to do. But, like, come on. You got to go. You got to go to the hospital. But you asked me the question of which one was worse. The kid giving back the baseball where he could have flipped it for a couple hundred grand is worse than not going to the emergency room with your significant other because you want to finish watching the game. And I hate to put it this way. He met her at the emergency room. But you know he what? He got there eventually. If she had put a ring on it, that would be a different story. Like if they were married or engaged, then he really made the wrong decision. Now, I can virtually Listen, guarantee they're are- not going to be either. <laughs> Breaking news, Robert Sarver announced he's begun the process to sell both the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury. And this was Adam Silver really exercising soft power. To take the franchise away is one thing, but to make sure there's enough public pressure to say, sell your damn team. Last week, the NBA suspended Sarver for a year and fined him $10 million for workplace misconduct. A lot of players also felt like the league's discipline was not nearly enough. There's no excuse. He should be banned. With being an owner, you're in place of power. And with power comes responsibility. We actually have a segment that's called Don't Be a Dumbass. Mm. Robert Sarver could star in that by yeah. himself. He deserves to star in it today, doesn't he? He does. Canty yeah. and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. So we know that the, the NBA suspended the Phoenix Suns owner for a year for creating a toxic work environment for using racially insensitive words. No, let's call it what it is. Racial slurs. Racial slurs. You're right. You're right. Racial slurs. And uh, basically misogynistic comments left and right. All those kinds of things that basically made it an untenable situation around the Phoenix Suns. And today, Sarver announced through his statement that he was going to start 
the process of selling the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, which is what had to happen to begin with. And the problem with his statement is, uh, without reading the entire thing, I can read you one or two lines that will tell you exactly where he's coming from. In our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that it is no longer possible that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. Past For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury. And he went on and on talking about being a man of faith and how he has had two decades of building organizations that brought people together, strengthened the Phoenix area. All just a, a sickening statement that show that Robert Sarver in no way gets it and is selling, kicking, and screaming his team right now, for which he will probably get $2.5 billion at the minimum. It's disgusting to me that he tries to hide behind the cloth by saying he's a man of faith, Carlin. If, uh, a man of faith behaving the way that he's been behaving that's Please. outlined in this investigation that was done by Wachtell Lipton, which is one of the most reputable law firms in the world? No, man. Does being a man of faith mean that you shouldn't use racial slurs? Absolutely. Does being a man of faith mean that you shouldn't talk to female employees in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable talking about sexual acts and using you know sexual innuendo around them, expressing those misogynistic views? No. So I, I don't understand why you're trying to come up with all these different excuses as to why you shouldn't be held accountable for your behavior. And make no mistake about it, this is the NBA holding Robert Sarva accountable for his behavior because he doesn't want to sell this team. If he did, the tone in his statement would be a lot different. This is Adam Silver and the NBA Board of Governors coming together and saying, Robert Sarver is bad for business, and rather than shaming him publicly, we're going to let him release a statement saying that he's going to move on and sell the team. Just in order for him to maximize the return on the investment that he made and get the highest sales price for the two franchises. That's it. That's what's happening right now. I don't understand why Robert Sarver is trying to paint himself as the victim when he's the one as the employer that has victimized all the people that have been working for. It's simple. He's a rich man who has never been told no in his life. And that's what's happened. And that's exactly how he feels. How am I the victim in all this? But I am. Here's Woj on really how it all went down. This is from the Noon Sports Center today with Shea Cornette. Robert Sarver, when the league was trying to get him to voluntarily accept a one-year a suspension, the fine, he pushed back very hard, I'm told. He was not – this was not somebody who was showing a great deal of regret and sorrow over what he did. And I think there was concerns around the NBA that his appetite to exist as a pariah in the league – would continue, that he was not somebody who maybe would go away easily. But now he is going to sell the teams, and certainly it lets the NBA, his ownership peers off the hook, uh, who were not going to move for a vote uh, to expel him as an owner. Think about that phrase for a second that Woj used. His appetite to continue as a pariah in the NBA. In other words, he wanted to be there. He he was telling you that he wanted to show up courtside every night and basically put two middle fingers in the air to the crowd and say, I'm still here, and this is still my team, and you're paying me to come. So essentially what you're saying is he wanted to be the NBA version of Dan Snyder. Yes, that's exactly what he wanted to be. But here's, that's exactly what he wanted to be. But you know what, though, Carlin? I think about this entire ordeal 
and I go back to when the investigation was initially launched by the NBA. And I remember hearing Monty Williams, CP3, and other players on the Phoenix Suns saying that they were going to reserve judgment until the facts of the matter came out. Well, a couple of weeks ago, the facts came out in the report. And Chris Paul, among other players around in the NBA, said that Adam Silver and the league office didn't go far enough when it comes to the discipline. I have no doubt mm-hmm. that that influenced what the NBA Board of Governors and Adam Silver decided to do in pushing Robert Sarver to eventually sell his team. LeBron, too, speaking up a couple of weeks ago, and today LeBron tweeted out, I'm proud to be associated with a league that is you know, interested in progress. Adam Silver said, I fully support his decision to sell the team. Good. So, that, in other words, good riddance. Yeah. We're glad you're gone. Don't let the door hit you in the... Check out Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus.